I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors, by actors, brought to you by Working Actor Pro. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Before the Break. Tommy, how are you? It's been a minute. We haven't recorded in like a month. I know. You've been uh, to Italy. You've uh, traveled the world. Now you're coming back after your adventures, I can see. To a massive New York heat wave. Took a lot out of you. It's so hot. (laughs) You're sweating profusely. I I am sweating, actually. Hey, how was Italy? It was gorgeous. It was a lot of fun. It was relaxing. It was wonderful. Just food. Just oh, yeah. f- fucking food. Food and wine. We just got a, a shipment of wine that we bought. Um, Look at you, oh, fancy. You know, all good. Yeah, I'm so wonderful. excited about you? our show. I'm great. I'm great. I'm ready to do this, man. I'm so happy. It's been a couple of weeks, right? So it has. this we'll is going to be the so today. much fun. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This week, we are very excited to meet our guest. She's appeared on such shows as Space Force, Dead to Me, Santa Clarita Diet, Grey's Anatomy, how to Get Away with Murder, and Jane the Virgin. She's had a recurring role on Good Trouble and can soon be seen in the upcoming Hulu series, Reasonable Doubt. Please welcome to the show, Tiffany Yvonne Cox. Thank you for having me. What Thank an introduction. Thank you for being here. Oh, my so PR team. This is fantastic. <laughs> That's what everyone says. Oh my gosh, it's so nice to have you on. Um, first of all, how are you? You know, now we're getting back to things like being in full swing, like head in the heart. How how are you doing? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm blessed. And the crazy thing for me was like the break that we had with um, La Pandemica. Um, I had a kid right at the top of it. Congratulations! So, wow. Thank you. What thank month? You, what you. month was your child born? Haha, the same month. He was born two weeks into the pandemic. Oh, Lord in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I wasn't sure how, like, you know, how do you take, uh, what's maternity leave for an actor? Like, you decide for yourself, but the pandemic chose it for me, which was perfect right, timing. Right, and I what a blessing. Home, right? You're and like, I, I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> I didn't have to go anywhere. I stayed at home with my baby. And I don't feel like an asshole for saying no to things. Right. Because <laughs> there's nothing to say no to. <laughs> there's completely, literally. Completely. So, yeah. God to Congratulations. I'm very thankful. Yeah. And, and is this your first child? This is my first child. Yeah. And and have you have you worked? Uh, oh, I guess you have because we, we do know this, but you've worked since um, since you gave birth. Yes. Is that correct? So let me ask you this. We're just starting right off right off the bat here. What have you noticed um, artistically since giving birth and the crazy human experience that is giving birth? What has that done to you artistically, if anything? Yeah, you know, I would say, so there's some practical things that have happened uh, where, one, I so thought I was just going to like strap my kid on my back and head to in-person auditions and such. And that's not the case. So I had to get creative when it came to doing self-tapes at home, when you have an infant, when you have a toddler. So sometimes those self-tapes are at like 6 a.m. in the morning just because you have to get it done. Also, I used to spend probably like, you know, maybe 30 minutes to an hour doing a self-tape. Now they're done in 15 minutes just because I, I don't have time and I have to move on to the next thing when it deals with motherhood, when it deals with my business yeah. as an actor and other things. And, and you, you would think, I, Tiffany, that, oh, gosh, you don't have that much time to do it. But really, your best takes are there because you don't have the 20 takes that you're trying to pick the perfect one. And it's like, don't we all remember, like, the, the tapes that get, get us booked are the ones that we were like, dude, I didn't have any time to do it. I just, I was leaving for vacation. I just did it. And then I got it and I didn't think it was perfect. I didn't think I even could be in the running for it. And then of course you get it. Maybe it was because that abandonment of like, that's not selfishness, but kind of in self um, mode that you're in picking apart your performances, spending an hour and a half on which tape am I going to use? And it's sort of like, 
when you have other things going on in the world, we've talked about this a million times, that it's sort of just, I don't know how to explain it, but you're throwing up what you got as right. a pro. And, and it's like, dude, I don't have all the time in the world to do this. And sometimes it's the imperfect and natural it's also that, that At least for me, my mindset changed where it's like, I am who I am. They're going to catch the essence of who this person is and the character I'm bringing to the table. So even if I put an emphasis on a word a little bit differently, or maybe I create more with my environment, they're still looking at me, Tiffany Von Cox, and the Mm. essence of the character I'm bringing to it. So I don't need to get into perfectionism mode. I am type A recovering perfectionist. I had to let all of that go. Recovering five years, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I had to let that go. And with that mindset change, oh my goodness, it was significant of like, just getting down to the meat and bones of it. And I do some of my yeah. own work as a director and as a producer, and I'm watching these tapes and it's not the perfect one that, that really sings to me. It's the character that sings to me. So yeah. I re- quickly came to realize with having yes. a little one that just get it done, Tiffany, the first like 15 minutes, I will probably be able to do like seven takes of something, you know, yeah. maybe as long as I'm, as long as I'm prepared, um, get it done. And then afterwards, make a quick decision because the character was there that I prepared. And I think if you don't have the extracurricular stuff in your life, like the home stuff, the, the extra stuff, the hobbies, the live in life stuff that, that you do have that they'll see me for me. If you didn't have things going on and you were obsessively going through your, there is no me. They don't, you don't have much to give because you don't have that extracurricular life stuff. And, and I spent five, 10 years living as an actor without watering the soil of like life. And it was standing by the phone. There was no life coming from the tapes that I was throwing out, or at least, you know, for a little stint. And then once you start living and you start to put acting, not, on the side, but in conjunction with other yeah. life stuff, you tend to Definitely. have the luxury of. I remember when Tommy used to live in New York, and I'd be like, "Hey, maybe this like coming winter, wouldn't it be fun to like get a cabin with a bunch of friends?" And he'd be like, "What if I have an audition?" I, can't leave <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what if I am like, what if, like, if, what if I book something? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's three months away exactly it's i'm the greatest actor friend for that because i i'm an avid traveler that's uh, one of my hobbies and so prior even to having a kid i was like guys i gotta go they're like but it's pilot season you're not a serious actor yes i am i'm filling my cup so that when i come totally. back and really respond fully as yep. this character it's so important to do that live your life there's always going to be an audition time. That's time. and same for other folks thinking about having kids i'm like have your kid there's always going to be an audition. There's always going to be a role. The and machine that's never the stops. It never ever. stops. Yeah. And if there's always another learn, movie, another show forever right. and ever and ever. And if we learned anything during this pandemic, it's the human connections that are so important to us. Because when we were all alone in our apartments and our houses and our cabins, wherever, you were like, shoot, who, who's with me? Who are my people? I'm so thankful I was able to bring a child into the world so I could just pour my heart into my family at that time. I can't tell you the number of people who were like, man, I wanted to have a kid and I wish I had had one now. And I'm like, yeah, don't wait for anybody else. Don't wait for anybody else. Do what you need to do for yourself. Amen. I mean, I think that a lot of our friends, Adam, you can agree with me, uh, that that you know, have the kids or have go off for the long weekend. And you have so much to pull from because like you said, your cup is filled and it's so easy to just keep that cup empty because we think we're doing the thing for acting. And that is to get up, to go to the audition, to to do the side job and then get home. And then we do it again. But really it's my friends who are like, um, fuck it. I'm going to Greece for two weeks to visit my grandmother, or I'm going to, I'm going to have a kid and my emotional range inside is going to burst, you know? And and of course you're a better actor because of it. Not that we have children to be better actors, but, um, (laughs) but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. And I, I was talking to my wife not too long ago and she's like, having a kid, I don't know about the whole act. And it's like, the the friends of mine, the women of uh, of uh, the women actors in my life who have had children, uh, there was no struggle in getting back to work. There was no struggle in finding roles because you're a you're just such a ripened human being after going through things like that. And you know, anyway, let's, yeah, let's, and you know, know, and I will say to, at least to honor some of the women because. It, it is true. It, it, there is struggle there. I can't like act like, Oh, it was easy peasy. Oh my God. I fortunately set up support systems to make it 
easier for me. I am in a place, thankfully, where I can afford daycare. I'm in a place, thankfully, where I might have friend support if I needed to quickly drop my kids somewhere. Because if you don't have the support systems, mm-hmm. it is difficult to get back to it. I was working with um, some a bunch of moms on on my most current show, and if they if a call time changed and they're a single mom trying to find support is exceedingly difficult. Have you ever been on oh, set, yeah. Tiffany, where there was there was childcare on set? Yes, I have. And it's usually for those who are our series regulars where they work that into their contract. What about They're crew good. or anything that you that um, would be ideal. A, if I was to if I was head of, if I was show running, I would have a room anywhere we go where anybody had a kid and they were they, you know, like that's such a difficult thing. It is a really difficult thing because we even had a um, our second uh, camera assistant camera person. She had a nine month old, so she was just pumping in between. Good that, for uh, her. You know, man. crew works wow. longer hours than actors ever do, yeah. and um, and every day, <laughs> right? Every day. Some of the work that I do also besides an actor is I do a lot of work with our union. So that's one of the conversations that we're starting to have to see. Hmm where we can activate more support for our parents so that it's not becoming a, a hindrance or a boundary uh, or, and you feel just more supported. There is some sort of um, network or support or conversation on how can we really help out our moms, dads, and caregivers to be able to do their work without worrying about, is their child safe? Is their child taken care of? Mm-hmm. So they can really just focus on the work. So Things are happening. Conversations are coming up. Check out the LA Women's Good. Committee for SAG-AFTRA. Oh, um, that's cool. We have some panels coming up talking about it, and then we're going to be activating those panels to put action towards our conversation. And and awesome. uh, And your work through the union, is that solely through this uh, side of things? No. So I got into union work um, a couple years ago because of the inequities when it comes to hair and makeup for black performance. For those who are listening, I am Trinidadian. I am African-American, first generation Trinidadian. So every black person has a story when they come on set, no matter what, how they identify. If you are a person of color, usually black, you've got some horror story of what's happened to you. And I was just pissed off. And that's because why, Tiffany? That's because people are not... um, they're not skilled in our hair texture. Right. People are not skilled in the different uh, skin tones and color theory. People are not skilled in the range of it that it comes within the BIPOC community. Yeah. So uh, I was tired of just talking about it among actors. I was like, let's do something about it. So I ran to wow. a board member and I, I became a board member for L.A. Uh, within that, I began to have the conversation. I put forward a couple of resolutions. Then the pandemic happened and our board room shut down. We couldn't be in person. Mm. So I was like, you know what? What are we going to do? Because I'm not going to allow this to stop the momentum I've started and the conversation I've started because I need support. I need to know how to make this happen. The beautiful thing that occurred is that we have some really great leaders within SAC After. And these are actors who work as well. People at times will complain about the union. Like, oh, what does the union do for me? The union is you. So if you want something to change, go ask for it. And that's what I did. I had other people who had gone through processes where they helped us to get more money for different things, or they um, had some sort of system change, especially like as we work towards intimacy coordination, those types of things. Mm -hmm. So I created a grassroots little Zoom and was like, hey, this is the issue for Black people. How do I move this up the rank? Um, through that, we got some high-level names, some A-listers, and also including those from um, some of the big agencies to do this producers panel. And then it turned into us having conversations between SAG-AFTRA and IATSE. Then it turned to how are we going to put this into negotiations? And so the the little engine that could over here, that's Tiffany Yvonne Cox, I just kept on talking and having people come to realize that there's a problem. So the most beautiful things that have come for it, though we're not done, is we recently had change when it comes to our commercial contracts, where those with textured hair and the variety of skin tones are protected. Um, that meaning that making sure there's a skilled person. If there's not a skilled person, you have somewhere to report it. And the hope in the long run is that as we report these things directly to SAG-AFTRA, that also there would be compensation or some of that sort next time we go through negotiations. And the hope is that it gets to theatrical negotiations. Now, the last thing that we're working on as well is we start, I went ahead and took the political side of it. So there's something called the Crown Act. The Crown Act was not created by me, but it was in order to stop, um, 
workplace harassment when it comes to what was happening. Somebody would come in with their locks and then people would say, oh, well, that hairstyle's not professional. And it's like, no, you have no clue the history or the beauty behind our black hair. So we brought it to uh, Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman, who had a panel with us, and we told her the issue. She was like, this can definitely fit underneath the Crown Act. We need your support. So we got it through the House. Next up, we're trying to push the Crown Act through the Senate because all of this is going to serve in protections for uh, Black actors, for actors with textured hair and different skin, various skin tones, not different skin tones, various skin tones. Um, and that's some of the additional work that I do with SAG after. Wonderful. Wow. Amazing. Uh, everybody talks about how this should happen with the union, that should happen. And um, there is only so much action that's taken because it's, I guess it's very difficult to find people who want to be responsible and, and assertive and, and all that. Um, but you certainly don't, um, you shouldn't be complaining if you're not involved, I guess, you yeah. know, I'd love to get to the bottom of some commercial stuff and the new media situation that apparently they're still figuring out. Um, but you know, I guess I should take some goddamn action. <laughs> if you're winning all the Emmys for years on years, you're not new media. Right. We want more money from streaming. It's the media, pal. Yeah, really. Um, okay. Well, let's let's talk about um, let's talk about like kind of where things began. I know you spent time in Chicago. Is that where you're originally from? I'm not. I grew up as a military brat. So hey, okay. I, yeah, I moved 14 times. I went to eight different schools. Wow. I went to a little itty bitty college in Salisbury, North Carolina for musical theater, minored in Spanish and dance, See. and finished there. And I was like, oh, what, what do you do when you finish college? LA seemed too big. New York seemed too big. And then Isn't I it found- something that the college should like inform you about? <laughs> Isn't that fucking crazy? Right? Well, you have all the tools. We're not going to tell you what to do with them. Right. And you're doing stuff like SETC and such. So you're getting something for the summer, but it's like, wait, what, what do I do with my life? Fortunately, I found a year long internship at PCPA theater fest in Santa Maria, California, where I was able to, um, I, I, we were interns, but we were, we were allowed to do a couple of mainstay shows. And we also did these like touring educational shows and the great thing that it was under a conservatory so i also took classes for free just to check it out uh and so it was like oh okay that's amazing yeah i know it was awesome i was like one of the only people i was like y'all better take this opportunity i was like did i what what i learned in school is that what everybody else is learning and i learned that it was so that gave me a bit of confidence and then we had some since it was conservatory the students were figuring out what to do next so they had all these generals And because I was an intern, we were allowed to attend the generals. And one was for the Milwaukee Repertory Theater. Uh, They offer another year-long internship. And I was like, at the time, Brent Hazleton was the person who um, was over that program. And I was like, why am I doing another internship? He was like, well, if you want to see how a company of actors work and a huge regional theater works, this is the place to be. And also they had a Chicago showcase. I was like, huh, Chicago has theater. I guess I'll check that out. Never doing research on it. <laughs> it's a city. That sounds right. So I, I was accepted into the program. They got the big buildings. There's a lot of people there. Right, they must have acted. <laughs> they got something going on for themselves. So I, um, I did the internship. It was life-changing. I really learned like what professional theater was. It really is a a watch and learn kind of thing. You know, I mean, there's only so much that you can learn in a classroom and theory and all that. But when you're in it and in it for months and you're seeing the dynamic and you're seeing the day to day and how people act on stage and off. And it's amazing, right? You just soak it all up. It truly is. And also, like, these were people with families and houses. And so seeing like, oh, this is what a working actor does and this is how a working actor shows up to the theater so it was just yeah it was very um it was very enlightening for me so i I bet tiffany that it was a better experience to learn from a stage perspective of oh this is what a working actor does then then on camera because if you're on set it's like people are kind of more isolated and they're coming out of a trailer Mm -hmm. and the you're, you get a really good idea on stage about the respect and about the process and about the the community and about you know it's it, I think it must it must be easier to see that 
Oh, completely, yeah. completely. I think if you are interested in like, I'm like I've, I've started uh, looking into shadowing as a director, something like that, I can see how you really learn a lot. But as an actor on a TV or film set, that's a harder one because you're cut in between scenes and it's it's not the same thing as watching yeah. run-throughs happen. And, and also you're having side conversations and we were the understudy. So we were writing down all of the blocking. We didn't know all the lines. We had to make sure we knew why. We were part of the story because if we needed to go on, we needed to be prepared. Hmm. So, yeah, it was definitely a deeper experience. I don't think you can get that from Well, you know, some people do a stand-in. They do say they learn a lot from that world. Yeah, I just Adam? haven't had that experience. I did it for five years. He got a oh, doctorate. Oh, you're well, Adam. I yeah. was a stand-in on Gotham for or a stand-in on Gotham for the entirety of the five seasons, and it was mm-hmm. absolutely life-changing. But I've done filmmaking now too as well, and it was enlightening in that regard too, because when you're the stand-in, we all know this, you're like it's all working around you. And so you hear how the DP and camera and the direct, how they all talk to each other to get the results. And it's like, Oh, there is such a shorthand and a language here that if you're not in it, you wouldn't really necessarily know. So being there every day and the whole crew is working around you. Cause you're the one in the shot for, you know, 90 minutes or however long the setup is it's like just soaked it all up like a sponge and you know at one point i always wanted to like do directing but that was like a free education well not for i was getting paid to be there but you know it was this whole education and then as an actor i mean nothing prepares you more than being on an enormous expensive show with all the lights and the cameras and the 200 people on set and you know what that world is like as an actor and sight lines and all these things that no one teaches you that you know if you were totally green you'd be like this is very odd right why am i looking over a camera to someone i'm having a scene with and i meant to you know it's just it's a totally different art form understanding continuity that's different it's so different yeah and seeing like how they block things and they do it like that you know you have your private rehearsal and then you do a marking rehearsal and then you shoot it like an hour or two later but when you're there experiencing all that it's like oh okay so when it is my time eventually and i have to walk onto a set like this there's no nerves of, wow, this is a lot of people, or wow, the camera is a foot from my head. It's like second nature. It was it was such an incredible learning experience. And I recommend if anybody ever has the opportunity when you're starting out, go do some stand-in work. It is very enlightening. It was awesome. Right. Do you feel as if, sorry, now I'm going to interview you. Do you feel as if you were able to get also like character and story, like how to be a better actor as a stand-in as well? Versus all just the some of the technical portions of it for TV and film. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a really incredible cast, and just watching how everyone works in very different ways and how they get to places in very short times. I mean, mind you, I'm not there for like when they're doing their work offset, mm-hmm. but it's you do get a a sense of. You got to be on because time is money and this thing goes really fast. Like you can't be on set and not know Mm. everything. You know, it's Mm -hmm. you're here. We're going. Let's go. Right. And then to Tommy's point with that, the difference between theater and, and, and TV and film when you're sitting back, it sounds as if from your experience with TV and film. Yes, you definitely do get some acting character story. You're seeing the scene go over and over again and seeing how they transform through that. Maybe you hear the, the direction of the, of the director, but you get a lot more of the technical stuff that you need to know. Right. While I felt as if with theater, me sitting there for a whole year, sitting in the back, watching these folks, I I was able to be a part of the conversation of how this story is going to come to life. Yeah. Fullness, yeah. Which is just a different way then. But, but that's yeah. a good question though, Tiffany, because there is a structure to a story, whether that's the the 60 page script or the five page scene, there is a structure and there are beats and there are certain things artistically that you must be aware of to hit. Otherwise the structure of the story isn't being fulfilled. And only after you've auditioned a thousand times for network TV, or you've done all those, 
these projects, seeing the structure day after day, knowing how things kind of should be played from just a story standpoint. It's something that is not actually really covered in our conventional academia. Um, it really isn't at all. I mean, I, and I only started to really see it five years in or so after seeing so many scenes and being on set so long, you start to really see, oh, this is the part where we kind of fool the audience into thinking that it's going to be this person, but then there's the switch and you have to yeah. bait them with that in order to sell that. And, you know, there's a whole underbelly of stuff that you have to be aware of. It's always of and- interesting when you watch things on TV that you were there for and you're like, that's not how that worked. Right. <laughs> that actor wasn't even there on right. the reverse. Right. There, you know, all this crazy yeah. stuff that like, you know, all the smoke and mirrors and it's like, it's Which not I love, fun. You can't, but you can't watch different. TV and, and film now in it just pure enjoyment. Now it's like, I wonder what lens they're using with that. <laughs> or like, that's pretty good practical effects. You know, well, like if you don't see the fire in the shot, then it's a little light flicker gag. They're not lighting fire. If right. You're not going to see it. It's a little gag. And then Patrick's like, Adam, can you just watch the fucking movie? <laughs> You should know these things. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Tiffany. So what year is this that you got to Chicago and started getting your feet wet? Ah, uh, great question. What year was that? So probably around like 2009, 2010. Hey, okay. You and I arrived in Chicago around the same time. Okay. Oh, look at that. And, and you were probably going into Claire and, and yes. PR and all that. Awesome. Lovely. And how long were you in Chicago? I was there for five and a half years. Good. Good because you know when people are like, I tried the market, tried Chicago, I tried LA, I tried New. If they say, you know, I was there, I, I was there for like nine months or like a year. And just <laughs> it's like, dude, you didn't. You, it takes a year just to, you know, I, we've said this a million times, just to even even get noticed to be in the room, and then a year to like book something, and then a year to get really going. It's like yeah. five years is a pretty good chunk of time where you test everything out. You've gotten right. what you need to get out of that market and you're off to larger waters, which, which I assume is, is your uh, strategy. And it was mine, you know, the bigger fish in a smaller pond type approach. Um, so after five years, you thought to yourself, you know what, I'm ready for something bigger. Is that it? I, I did. Yeah. I was, I really thought I was just going to do theater and I thought I was going to head to New York. I thought I was going to be doing Broadway, which I still would love to do, but I felt like I thought stage was going to be my focus. And what was the high and, water mark in Chicago for you in, in your work? Were you, were you at a specific theater? Were you, uh, were there projects that you were like, I've checked this off and now I'm off or were you unfulfilled and wanting to look out to more? Right. It was more, it was more so an introduction to, Okay. So I hadn't really done TV and film. I've done a couple of commercials. I did um, some independent work and such, but that's when Dick Wolf came with all his Chicago fire, the whole suite. And so I did, (laughs) (laughs) I was, um, I did Chicago fire and I was just amazed slash practical. I was like, Oh, this is like how people own a house. Because I keep on getting paid. Like I just didn't know anything <laughs> about these residuals. Or just it never it never clicked in my brain. It was brain a year ago. Life. Why are they still do they know <laughs> they're, they're still, still paying, paying me? Exactly. Someone's was, clocking me in. Right? Right? <laughs> I was like, what Your is agent's this? like, take it and run. It's free money. <laughs> so but literally when it when I did Chicago Fire and I said to my agent, I was like, Oh my gosh, this whole new world opened up to me. And also I had received some I think some misguidance was that because I, I had said sometime way, way back in my beginnings of like, you know, I think I want to do like on camera work. And somebody was like, oh, no, 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 that's not where the real work is. The real work is on the stage. So I took that to heart. Young Tiffany, like, oh, the real work is on stage. I better stick with stage. And then I did Chicago Fire. I'm like, they are acting their asses off over here. Like, this is the beautiful work, too. And at that, I have to be even more honest mm. because the camera's like... Camera's right in your right? face. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't face. fake shit. Exactly. So I talked to my agent. Oh. They're like, oh, slow down, Tiffany. Oh, go ahead, Adam. I see you. I was going to say, that was one crazy thing about working on Gotham is that when you are on a network show because of the pace of it and having to have commercials and you have a very strict timeline seeing on set some 
gorgeous, beautiful performances where the, I mean, the crew's like, holy shit, that was yeah. the one, you know, everyone has tears in their eyes and like, God damn, we have a great cast. And then you watch it on TV and they cut the shit out of it. And you're like, that doesn't land at all. That's just, oh, it's there's so no time for now. Yeah. yeah. And that was a weird thing to like, see, you know, when it's right in front of you, these performances that you're like, oh my God. And then the way for network, the way they chop things up sometimes to like see it on TV and it's like, oh, that doesn't have the same landing that it did when we were in the room doing it. It was right. like another observation from that whole process. Yep. So um, so when you decided that New York was the next step, what what was your strategy there? What happened? Oh, so I did not, I decided New York was not the next step. I decided LA was because oh. I took away that thing that that person has said of, of stage is where the real work's at. And I was like, wait, I can do really great work and I can make a living. So we're going to go to LA. I see. Yep. So right after Chicago Fire, I told my agents that I was like, I think I need to go to LA. They're like, hold your horses. Let's get a couple <laughs> more minutes and then go. I was like, okay, which I did. So I, I made a two year awesome. plan. I was like, that first year, let's book a couple more things. Let's get a reel. Let's go go union. And then I can save up money so that when I move to LA, because mm -hmm. I'm not about that broke actor life. I just do not prescribe to it. And I can talk to anybody about how not to do that either. You don't like eating all of your meals over a trash can in the back of a restaurant? Okay. <laughs> go ahead. No, and nobody <laughs> has to do that. You do not have to do that. My, Boom. We're going to change that. <laughs> so um, I came... Fortunately, having, you know, um, I came with a job that was virtual and I, my agents had just opened up an office in Los Angeles and I was union and I had my reel. Uh, so that's how I immediately transitioned to LA and was able to start auditioning very quickly. And, and how about reps? Was that transferred? If you mentioned it, I didn't hear. No, it's all good. Yeah. So my, yes, my agents uh, opened an office in Los Angeles. I see. Gotcha. Yep, exactly. So I was able just to move over there with them. They did not take everybody, but we had a, they knew the conversation was there since three years ago and saw the work that I was doing. They're like, yeah, right. And you're doing you already what you started that conversation right. and then we're knocking the dominoes down Yes. to like, I want to do this and you did it. <laughs> right. I like there's that a, all. there's a difference between following your agents uh, advice and then also not, I guess. And I, I, that sounds dumb, but like I, there, there were so many years where an agent would say, Oh, don't, don't go yet. Don't go yet. And they were really hoping that I'd stay cause I was booking, you know, and, and I had to decipher whether I take this advice to book a few more roles, get that real better, right. you know, and, right. or, or you just say, no, I can't be told to stay any longer. I must go, you know, but, but you, you did listen. And I think that was the right decision. You, you had to beef up that portfolio. You were young. Yeah. This is what, like, oh my gosh, 10, 15, 12 years. Yeah. That was, it was a long time ago. So, you know, and we there was the a balance of that too, Tommy, because yeah. like there was a part of them saying, well, you need more. I came to them after my first TV credit right? and was like, oh, I want to go. We the fruit like, needed to be ripened to Ted. <laughs> I know. Right. Me they, too. Were like, they were like, hold on a second. I'm in LA <laughs> and I have one TV credit. Who wants me? <laughs> Who They're wants like, me? Calm right? down. So again, that practical Tiffany came in of like, well, why didn't I go to LA beforehand? I didn't feel ready. Why didn't I go to New York beforehand? I was, what do I need to be ready? I need a solid yeah. reel. I need money in my pocket and I need to make sure that I'm union. So I knocked those things off of my personal list and said, here you guys go. This is what I'm up to. Can we go now? And they're like, yes. And then there's the, the this and this, the head and the heart of someone that you can't book book to get that ripened you can't yeah. you know you can't just like yeah. listen to somebody and then automatically be there at that level and i just mean mentally cognitively spiritually like that thing that that is given to all performers who have who have reached a level of artistic success there's something in here that whenever someone walks into a room and i'm and we're casting something i know it in an instant i know that you've been through it I know yeah. that it's not just a couple of credits you have. There's something inside that tells me this person's a pro. This person knows about ego. This person knows about, um, you know, they, they're, they're here for the right reasons. They've been through it. They've been through the shit and they're still here and they're still working and their character is 
top notch and all that stuff that comes from just being in it and continuing day day by day and getting experience. And that's something else, you know? So I look at, if we're casting something, you look at the credits, you're looking at the reel, but also like more importantly, frankly, is when we're having that second or third callback and we're talking to somebody, it's like, can this person jive with a group of people who are at that yes. level? They're, um, they don't have anything to prove. They, you know, they're ripe. They're ripe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's so that, that, th- that probably helped you too, you know, those couple mm-hmm. of extra years. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. So how was it settling into this new market? Yeah. Um, you know, I was surprised at how much slower things were here in the <laughs> sense of you do a stage show. I probably did like three years. Chicago Shakespeare Theater was like my home in Chicago. And so I would do usually about two shows a year there. So your year's really full because you're rehearsing and did then you know Ho- Ho- Jose Tony Garcia and we've done so many shows together yeah, okay great yes yeah. that's Love my that. heart yes <laughs> <laughs> so and we shoot I think the two of us were the inaugural group for Chicago Shakespeare and Parks back in the day yeah I believe oh, cool. it yeah that's great so you know so you're with stage you have a good couple of months at least three plus usually with the show mm. um and I booked quickly after coming here but then I was like oh it's just one day like that's it. What am I going to do in between? Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yep. like, oh wait, I didn't get a series right oh, yet. Now I'm oh. back okay. to being unemployed. I guess I'll just go to the God beach. Damn it! <laughs> right. What, what do you do in between? So that was the biggest transition for me, where I was like, and fortunately, I was working. <laughs> I would book like five to six jobs a year, um, and that's when when Whoa. I started off. A commercial co-star yeah. here or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you know, like I I was a working actor, but that's only one day. And then the rest is a bunch of auditions in between. Right. So the one thing they did tell me at college, which was really true when it came to TV and film, is that uh your job is to audition. I was like, wow, I, I was just audition. gonna say, but that is the job. So yeah. it's For like a, a TV oh, film actor when you're between jobs, jobs being the day or the week, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's your job is auditioning, auditioning, auditioning. Right. Exactly. So Tiffany can't sit still. So I'm mm. like, okay, well we're doing these auditions. I'm like, I have my day job, which is working out great, but I need to be artistically filled. So I started doing something called the reading series. So I was like, this is a way for me to meet writers, which is a great end to like, just get seen for stuff. So invited writers that needed their work to be heard out loud. I knew a bunch of actors. We'd get together in person. That is a great idea. Yeah. And it was awesome. And then I wanted more. So I was like, well, I don't want to just like read it. I want to like be on set. So a couple of of amazing friends of mine who are like my brother and sister now, Mildred Marie Langford and uh, Sean Walton, we put together a web series and hired a bunch of Chicago actors and did that thing just to prove to ourselves that we could be more than just one character in one track. Mm. And so then from beyond that, I started writing in between. I've started directing and started getting hired on as a director. And I definitely think all of that has fed into my world and success as an actor of getting bigger roles from the guest stars to the recurring and such like that. Because I was looking at not just my track, I've been looking at story and how my piece fits into the cog, but how I can feed into other people. Yeah, so, a greater wow. understanding of the whole thing, not just these are my lines and you know it opens up so many my, doors. My character alone, it's like you exactly have the whole world. And the relationships that were built. Like right. I was hired on as a director for Santa Monica Repertory Theater, and I hired Will Allen to be one of the actors, a fellow Chicago actor. Um, then after that, he hired me to direct his short film that was with a bunch of other actors. And now our piece is heading on to the Martha's Vineyards African-American Film Festival, where I'll be there as a director for that and as an actor for my show, Reasonable Doubt. This is how you become an actor. This is how you do it. It's relationships, it's favors, it's... No agenda, Love just that. let's tell a story. And and, right. and you I think that your mind as an actor just just um I don't know, evolves so much. When you see the writing side of things, then you see the casting side yeah. of things. Then you're directing something. Adam, I mean, I bet your acting has is totally different. You might not even notice it 
but I bet it's so different because you've got this room now. It's not just an actor. You're now you have an understanding of of various mediums and various plates being spun, and then also you're you're looked at not as just an actor. You're a storyteller and you're a professional in this industry. Just depends on what you're doing that day. You know, um, mm-hmm. but it definitely doesn't hurt the acting side of things. That's for sure. Yeah, Good for yeah. you. That's all. That's amazing. I mean, that's, why, that's why, yeah. It. Why wouldn't anybody, if it's, you know, if it's, uh, look, there are people who they, they wouldn't be interested and that's totally cool. But for a lot of people, if you're like just super, super, super creative and you've had experiences that would inform other things like writing or directing, et cetera, producing, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's like, why wouldn't you just want to be more well-rounded? Rounded, like, yeah. even and it doesn't take away from your acting. No, it's not, not at oh, all. Oh, I'm gonna do this for a month or two, or you know, however long it takes to right produce a short film or whatever. But it's like that doesn't mean that oh, I'm choosing a new path and I can't do acting anymore. It just it means you're a fucking artist. And it makes you more well-rounded and you can go, Oh, and I also do this. Right. And this is what that thing did that I created, that I wrote, that I directed, that I produced, whatever it may be. And it just makes you more well-rounded. And why would you not want that? And we're in that today's age. Yeah. yeah, It's so important. I was definitely that actor coming from Chicago. I was like, Oh no, guys, all I do is act. I just, I just act. I don't want to be a multi-hyphenate. Multi-hyphenate is a means to an end. Um, I was so that person. And and no shade, because I got friends who just want to act as well. But I found for myself, as I just did some deep talks, I was like, well, what is my goal? Storytelling. What type of stories do I like to tell? Okay, this is what I like to tell. How do I make that happen more often for myself mm-hmm. outside of waiting for an audition? And then my cup was filled. I started feeling even yep. more filled as an artist within the in-between spaces that can happen with TV and film. And lo and, and behold, thought, your auditions are better because oh, your yeah. cup is filled or your artistic oh, yeah. cup is filled, right? Exactly. And the relationships. The relationships. Oh, my God. Well, that's another thing. When, you're, when you do theater on not on the acting side or TV and film and not on the acting side, then you meet all those people people that are future collaborators and you make good relationships with them. And then one day you're like, you know, I did that short with that person who shot, they were awesome. We got along so well. I need a cinematographer. I should call that person. Hey, what's up? Do you want to work? Yeah. And now, you know, you have all those relationships. Let me tell you, Adam, I was just on set where all of us were direct hires as guest stars. They did not put this out into the breakdowns. Three of us. And one of the actors, that was exactly it. This guy was used to do improv. And one of the producers of this show, Big Shot, John Romain Stamos, and Nicole Brown, you know, this is a network television show. Um, he remembered that actor. They weren't friends. He just remembered the actor. And was like, oh, he would be perfect for this. And then gave him a direct offer for Big Shot because they needed somebody. Again, just this for the isn't. <laughs> our job, our job as actors, isn't to get some piece of paper, go into a room, and beat out two thousand people. Sometimes that does happen, yeah. but I do, I do know for a fact that even at the highest level, like the the big leagues, yeah. a lot of this stuff is let's go out for a beer, yes. let, you know, let's call up this person, let, it, it, or remember that that girl we had on set like four years ago on that project, she'd be perfect right. for this. That stuff, that's how the deals are made. Right. A lot of them, at least, you know, the by phrase people who it's make all up- about who you know is not about meeting somebody and sucking up and right. all that. Yeah, shit. not at it's all. It's about relationships. Right. It's yeah. about it's about going to work and creating being a good person, being good at your job, and making meaningful relationships with people because one day unbeknownst to you, you might be in a position where you're like, I need some help with something. And you're like, you know what? I know a lot of people now from all these past things that you've done. And you kind of go through your Rolodex and you're like, you know, I do know a lot of people. I have, I have people that I can ask for help or, or hire or whatever it is, you know? And that's what, 
that phrase really means. It's yeah. not, you know, going to a party and being like, hi, I'm, I'm Adam. I'm an actor. We know each other now. You want to hype? That's not right. Like that. Don't do that. Don't be yeah. that person. <laughs> I think that the best way I see it is in music. When you're at a concert and you see someone playing, they come in alongside to play with this band and they're from another band or someone hops on an album or it's not like, hey, can we get an a, audition tape from this music? It's like these people just know each other and they say, hey, you want to come on tour f- with us for a little bit or that kind of stuff. That's exactly what happens or at least what happens a lot with um, in our business with, with um, you know, a DP that you worked with two years ago or an actor or, a, you know, I just I just hooked up a buddy of mine to score a film. And it's just because I two, three years ago, he scored one of my films before. And you know what? When he's on a film in three years, he's going to be like, hey, you know, this is a great, this is a great um, uh, role for, for Tommy. Maybe that stuff just continually happens. So knowing that it's, um, I don't think that that also is not, I don't think that that's taught in, again, conventional academia, that whole, like, not networking, but fostering relationships. Having a tribe. Tribe, community. Tribe that you, you know, like-minded people in your field. Yeah, big time, big time. Um, so, uh, Tiffany, what, what were, as we're getting through to like, I don't know, more, uh, more like now, um, where you are in your career and everything, how did things progress in LA up to now? Um, the dips, the highs, the goods, the bads, what was it like for you, at least your story leading up to this point? Right. Leading up to my, this, this big old recurring guest. She's like, I book every two months. Things are aces, you guys. (laughs) I don't know what everyone's talking about. Complaining, it's not that hard. You know, it is. It's um. So, for myself, um, I do have a lot of confidence. It does come from my place of faith, uh, which I always encourage folks. You don't have to believe in Christianity, God. Find what you believe in and tap into that because you can't do it all by yourself. Love it. So that has allowed me to have a lot of peace when there's been a lot of dips. Mm-hmm. Also, I can't remember. I said. I don't like being broke. So I made sure that when I, I booked a lot of commercials when I got out here, some this little commercial face here like was doing the thing and I was able to <laughs> into the piggy bank. Right into the piggy bank. So it was in between times I was able to live. Um I, I wanna stop I, right there because I'll tell you the poverty is some of the biggest problems. Yeah. Gives gives us some of the biggest problems in the audition room, knowing not knowing how am I going to cut this rent check or I have to go to my third job today. You know, that kind of that stuff that I'm, I'm teaching students now about financial, like in our course, my brother's a financial planner and he's like in with the course and he take, he takes you on and shows you what you can do to not have that financial stress that is so weighted. And if you have a little bit of money stashed away, like say three months for rent, and exactly. you're going to walk the earth a little lighter, man. Six I mean, you just for LA. yes, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I knew I needed I needed six months. Asterix next to Los Angeles. Let's just be clear, <laughs> right? Right. Next to she needs six months to so feel comfortable. Not ten for New York, ten thousand right. for New York. Heavens. Right. 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 So you know, so there were definitely the dips and dives and it's like, am I an actor? Does anybody see me? Um, but then when those times happen, what I would end up doing was pouring into the other things I loved. So mm. whether it was me creating stuff for myself, it was me traveling. It was being with family. It was finding um, a class or a workshop. SAG after has so many free uh, resources and what you yes, see called the actors fund is now the entertainment fund. Oh, I didn't know that they changed names. They did. You know, I think they wanted to make sure that people understand that it's not just for actors, hence making it the entertainment fund. Yeah. Roger that. So with that, whenever the dips came, I You're had not waiting those, by the phone. I was no, I don't wait by any phones. I was not waiting by the phone. I had my trip to Amsterdam ready. I was deciding to get married. I was having a kid, you know, I was allowing my life to continue to unfold. And I have on my notes app, actually, um, my, my life goal. Uh, well, again, the goals always change, but, oh, excuse me, the definition of a goal. Success is the progressive realization of a realization of a worthy goal. I'll say that again. So I was a little muffled. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal. 
So I'm always sitting in success. Totally. Because I was just making incremental steps for whenever that job is to come. I am that actor that books a lot. So I was getting a lot of commercials. I was getting a lot of co-stars. And then we decided to move to guest star. Ooh, baby. Talk about no auditions coming in. No kidding. <laughs> like, or- so, Tiffany, can you talk us through that conversation with your reps yeah. and that definitely scenario? Right. Um, so I said to my reps, I was like, you know, guys, um, thankful for the co-stars, but it's time to move on. And this came from taking a couple of classes and just having some talks with myself of like, what's fulfilling? And also, how am I showing up in the world? So move I on chose, from those roles or move on from your reps? Um, for the for the from those roles. From those roles of, okay. of co-star roles. Yeah. So I didn't I know wanted, if that sounded like a breakup. Oh, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. No, I didn't break up. Thank you that. guys. It's together. time to move on. It's time to be done. No, it was a breakup. It's not us. it's not you, it's me. Me. Um, <laughs> it was a time to break up from the co-star land. And I was like, well, how do I energetically let God know this is what I'm ready for. How do I let Tiffany know also this is what I'm ready for? And so I was said, no, no more. Well, we did a gentle first. It was no more co-stars. It was also, um, I would take something with a name. Then it turned into, I'm not going to do anything that doesn't, that's not a guest star or above. So that transition was rough. There was like a good six months of like, okay, our audition's coming in. It's a little bit slow. Um, and I would I say- like the name- aspect right because that because is things fucking, have changed i've been so many guys it's not even funny i forget who which guests we just had on uh, like in the last two months but it was like adding up all the roles that have guy in it <laughs> and it's like can i just get a fucking name i right. wish there was like a, a tv screenwriter that was like as a courtesy to actors because i know what it's like everyone has a name right everyone right there's no there's no but, marketing but, guy or tech guy. That's very it's You're very Mark. smart because co-stars now under fives don't don't exist. That's sort of um that sole uh description because there are under fives who are co-stars. Then there are co-stars who easily 10 years ago were guest stars labeled. But but they're not because things just kind of changed. Um you know, if you're in a we talked about this before, if you're in a precinct and you're going in for, you know, cop well, guess what? That's a precinct. That's a central location in in in, in the series, and, and you're probably going to be called back because you're a step above the core. And then in six episodes, you've got a couple lines, and now you're coming back as as a recognizable face. So that would have been a solid uh, audition to to go in for. Um, if I didn't know that, I'd say it's a co-star. It's just cop. Well, no, but you got to take into consideration: could this role be coming back? Um, could that person be named? Is this one of those, I found this cadaver and I don't know what happened. It's just here. Yeah, you know? My you favorite was Harvey Guillen, who was like, oh, I'm the cousin of the main character. Right. So I could probably come back. And they were like, I know it's a day, but I'm family. Family's forever. You can always bring me back. And they need storylines, like, man. <laughs> a gazillion, you know, like a, a season yeah. or two later, they brought him back for all these. And his reps were like, right. Good God, you're smart. That was me in good trouble because I came in as Andre's mom. I did have a name, though they didn't put on IMDb Pro for some reason. Hmm. And actually, that scene was cut. It was completely cut. And I was like, oh, well, okay, here we go. That was a, that was a hard month for me because I was cut from that and um, from a big film as well. So I was like, what's going on, guys? Then I went to Amsterdam and I felt better. So again, in between moments, but um, but then the pandemic (laughs) happened and people weren't filming. So they brought that scene back in order to fill. Nice. And then they brought the character back again because I'm family. I'm Andre's mom and they needed her. Yeah. You could have said they wrote me out, man. What the hell? And they got all pissed. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what's happening. What's going on? Exactly. A recurring theme on this show is I did my one day, didn't think about it, was done, and now I've done 27 episodes because I showed up, people liked me, I did a good job, and for whatever reason, beyond my control, because I didn't ask or whatever, they just brought me back and back and back and back and back. Let me tell you about this whole thing, because we're going to call it right now, because it's going to happen. So that same show, Big Shot, right? I just found out that they cut my scene. But let me tell you. 
the fact that I, so I was pinned on a Friday and I was like, for what? They were like something you didn't audition for. I was booked on the Sunday or Saturday night. And then Sunday I got my lines. Monday had to be on set at 6 a.m. So I did my actor due diligence. the television. Yeah. (laughs) That that doesn't happen in theater, folks. (laughs) (laughs) So I show up and let me tell you, I'm confident. I did the damn thing. Like I, and also there were a couple people who I already knew on set. So I was able to say like, hey, how are you guys doing? The producers and writers came up. They were very happy with the work. It was just recently cut because they couldn't meet time. I'm very sure of that because they added this in where it wasn't in the script. Um, And then they cut my scene. But let me tell y'all something. I got paid. I got a guest star credit. And I had the possibility of coming back because I made really great relationships on set. That's the perspective. Sometimes that's what it's about. It's not about because that character was not coming back. I look forward to coming back where I can have a recurring role on the show now. Yeah, but you were out of self. That's so. That's just where you were. You were out of self, which means I got to be paid. I was here. I got a role. I'm happy. I'm grateful. I'm an actor who's working. I'm in the two percent. Exactly. And the fact that for the possibility, like I feel like I'm coming back on Big Shot, but for a role that's going to stay a bit longer and be bigger. Right. So, like those are the you know with this thing, this industry can take you on a whirlwind, Mm -hmm. but you got to look at the silver linings and get your mindset right as for why these moments are happening to pave you to your next level of success. It's very difficult. It's very difficult in a material world to think there's something behind everything. I I don't have control over this. I don't know where this is going to take me, or 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 this setback isn't going to put me in the right position in a year or ten. Who knows? But it's that. I don't know. Maybe it's the faith in in your heart, or just this character uh, and perspective that you naturally, um, uh, you know, that that is kind of at your default. But it's difficult, and especially in acting. And what what you talked about, uh, your faith has gotten you through those dips. It is so impossible to talk to an actor and talk them into a good place when there's nothing going on. It's the hardest thing to do as an actor. When you have nothing going on and you've tied your acting to your identity, then oh. you, you don't have an identity and you're not this person. And that's why the pros work is because the pros have that perspective. Dude, I worked. I, I have no control. What the hell? You know, when, when, when I was my first guest star was on CBS um, on Bull and a beautiful three, like three scene um, emotional all this, I was like, this is this is going to set me up for the next thing. This is amazing. I had one scene, two lines at the end of it. Why? Because they don't have time or the money to be shooting all the other stuff that that we had. They had to rewrite everything. And as an as, as a pro, I had to say, it's not my control. This is a huge production. I'm not the yep. only one here. You know. Um, so and this you is know, not the end all and be all. Yeah. There's right. more work coming. There's more. Don't act like this is your only game, baby. You know. Right, yeah. you've got so much out here, and, and a pro understands that to see those like those those. those if you're dips a day player, rises. stuff like that, you're in their house. You right. are a guest. You're happy to be. They there. are not there for you. They are there for the regulars. <laughs> Do your job and keep it pushing. Yeah, Just sit down, on. shut up, but you can't sit there. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Oh, um, Tiffany, talk to us about what's coming up. Um, anything in the pipeline, anything that you can talk about? Definitely, definitely things I can talk about. Um, I mentioned it a little bit before, and this is going to be a bit of a tie-in of just, you know, and, and it is me leaning a lot on faith and also of my own just personal positive cup is half full mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, I booked this huge show called Reasonable Doubt. Our showrunner is Ramla Muhammad. She wrote on Scandal. Um, she wrote on Little Fires Everywhere. Wow. And our exec, she's one of the executive producers along with Carrie Washington, Larry Wilmore, um, and a slew of other people. And so this was a show. So talk about, awesome. Like, God is good. I auditioned for this. I had a live producer's session. I was pinned 30 minutes afterwards. Oh, yeah. Weeks later, I was told I didn't book it. Oh, heaven. Right. Right. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Okay. Again, I was ready which, to book Which like means for the weary actor, which means they love you. So if something else comes up, that's not right. out of the question. It's exactly right. right. It's not out of the question. Again, leveraging relationships. I had been in touch with a friend who knew one of their EPs 
and had told her about the process and such. And she talked to her friend and was like, oh, I'm so glad you guys saw Tiffany. She's such a good person. And the that EP had said, oh, actually, we weren't able to cast her. But you know what? Let me see what I can do. And so I learned this uh -oh. fact. So then a few days later, I get a phone call at 9 p.m. from my agents. I'm like, what did I do wrong? Or what did we just get, guys? 9 right. p.m. Yeah. <laughs> Whole team is on. And they're like, hey, so remember, reasonable doubt. Um, so you didn't book that one role you auditioned for. I was like, yeah, yeah, thanks for you. reminding me. Thanks, thanks. Salt, more salt. And water. Thank you. It's nice. <laughs> is that it? Can I go to bed. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's fucking nine o'clock. Right. It's been a lovely day till now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Reminding me, I was licking those wounds still. Y'all opened them up again. Thanks a lot. They're, but they were like, so, but they have another role that they want you for. We think it's recurring. It's not an episode guarantee. I was like, yes, yes. Let's let's do it. They were like, yes. I guess you play one of the friends. I was like, cool. Then I get the script. I learned I played the best friend of the week. Hey. So then Ooh. I was like, wow. Now, again, no episode guarantees. I just knew I had that one. And the breakdown said she was recording. So we have no idea. Um, so do the first episode. Larry Wilmore comes up to all of us. It's a group of us girls. And he's like, it's like you guys have known each other for forever. I could tell they were very happy with whatever we did. Mm. Came back in February, and then it turned into, okay, Tiffany, we want you for episode two and also all of the episodes for the rest of the season. This is not a guarantee, but just know that we're you're written in. That's what we're doing right now. Wow. So okay. that's how that came to be. It's mm. going to be on Hulu September 27th. Like I noted before, awesome. I had the beautiful opportunity of being at one of the premieres at Martha's Vineyard African American Film Festival. August 6th, it will be uh, premiering. I will be there on the red carpet. And then Lovely. on the Monday, I'll have the short film written by Will Allen that I directed called Star Vehicle. And it's all about those different guys and girls that are on set. Literally, those are the names of the characters. So oh, that's God. a nice comedic relief. Guy four. Right. <laughs> Great. Thanks. I can't wait to put that right there. it's a comedic <laughs> love letter to us actors day players and diversity day players so. oh i love awesome it. Yeah. good for you so many things yes. to look forward to oh, wow. you're just getting started and i hope you feel that you know oh. you've got a lot to look forward to yeah. um and where this can people find such your stuff a huge Tiff? stepping stone for you oh yeah and it'd be so awesome to see what comes out of this and after this big time i agree yeah where Thank can you. people find you tiff Right. People can find me at Tiffany Yvonne Cox on Instagram. And that's Y V O N N E, everybody. Thank you. Yes. C O X. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys could see his face as he said that, yes. We're all adults here. So yes, C O X. Tiffany, <laughs> you're a you're a gem. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank, Thank you, you so much for stopping by. This was great. Thanks so for good. Me. And all maybe right, keep yeah, a, we can like do a, a special like um industry episode where we talk about SAG stuff. Oh, I'd be more than happy to. I'm all about We should do like a union people. episode. That would be awesome. Yeah, yes, yes. Great that. idea. Great idea. All right, we'll talk. Thanks, Tiffany. Tiffany. Thank, you. Thank you so much. Lovely. Ah. You know, even even that booking, um, you know, what she just talked about, lost the role, and then you're coming back. It's like, that's exactly what we're talking about in the episode of uh, her. It was her friend who knew the who knew the EP, threw in a little, so nuts. A, a little, you know, a little reminder or a, a just a quick chat about about that actor. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know what? It wasn't it like Maya, who we just had on a bit ago, who was like, got to that kind of level of like, and then it fell apart and it was mm -hmm. like, fuck, mm -hmm. I was like, I had it. And then I didn't. And they loved her so much from the process that they were like, you're not done yet. Yeah. We have another one for you. And she's, oh, you know, it's very difficult so, to ask that from us, you know, to be like, okay, with the carrot being swiftly taken out, <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> like scraping against your teeth. It's like, sorry, the thing that you needed and loved. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, to have that trust as a pro, as a professional actor, it's like, great. Okay. Well, let's go to the beach and on to the next one, I guess, you know, and that's the I perspective that you got to have her I know perspective it. on it. And like, look, this is what I do, but I also come first. Right. 
like She's in my life, like, I'm not going to, uh, you know, we only live once. I'm not going to do things for the theoretics of that. There could be something, the maybe. desperate like, breaking of I'm the going back on for, vacation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, yeah. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm making a plan. And if something happens, great. I'll deal with it then. But until then, I'm just going to live my life and be happy. Love that. That's it, everybody. Well, we hope you enjoyed uh, another episode of Before the Break. You can find out more about the show and how to become a working actor at workingactorpro.com. Follow us on Instagram at Before the Break Pod and Working Actor Pro. You can check out Adam's stuff at adamdecarlo.com. Follow him at that Adam DeCarlo. You can see my stuff at tommybeardmore.com. Follow me at I'm Tommy, by the way. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a rating and read review if you like what you heard. Check back next week for an all-new episode with an all-new guest, Adam. That's it. See you next week. Adios. You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DiCarlo. Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sterley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.